Hi there! Welcome to the Healing Unscripted podcast, where we talk about all of the complicated, beautiful, infuriating aspects of healing. I'm Megan, and I am so glad you're here. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I am so excited for this episode because we have another guest on the podcast, Kelsey Bentley. She is an all-around expert on self-care, and I brought her on because I am no expert on self-care, and I wanted you all to hear from someone who truly knows what they're talking about when it comes to taking care of yourself. Kelsey not only knows what self-care really is, because there's a lot of misconceptions about it out there, she can also teach teach you how to actually implement it, which I think is so wonderful because so often we know what we're supposed to be doing. It's just the act of actually doing it that is such a problem. And Kelsey knows all about how to get around that. So without any further ado, let's hop on in to this interview. Hi there, Kelsey. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm good too. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Um, So to get started, why don't you tell our listeners um, just a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Sure. So I'm Kelsey Bentley and I blog at simplybentley.com. I'm on all the socials at Simply Bentley and um, I am a hairstylist by day and I have been blogging for about four years about all things self-care and as I like to say, finding your spark. Um, And that is just something that has been really important to me because I burnt out of doing hair about six years in and really had to do a lot of work to figure out what I was, you know, what I was doing in this career and, and how I could continue doing work that I love without having to feel so burnt out and, you know, miserable all the time. (laughs) Absolutely. I think so many people feel that way where, they actually find something they love and they can't keep doing it because the way that they're doing it is not sustainable. Um, yeah. And it's like, you, you almost feel ungrateful. Like I was lucky enough to find something that I love and now I can't keep doing it because the way I'm doing it just isn't working. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and especially, you know, I'm self-employed and so there comes there comes a time when you have to uphold boundaries. And if that's something you've never done before, it's very scary. And all of a sudden you're like afraid you're going to lose every client you have and things like that. And so it's, it was very challenging at first. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us about a time you had to set a boundary? That would be really interesting. I know I struggle with boundaries for sure. (laughs) Oh, I mean, there are so many things and I say all of this, um, I just want to preface all of this with the fact that it's not, it was not my client's fault. None of my clients were at fault for any of, you know, my burnout because I had trained people to interact with me in this way. But, you know, things like people would call or text me all hours of the day and night. Um, I would have people texting me I mean, 11 p.m., 6 a.m., 2 a.m., all the time, Um, you know, it had to do with people expecting a response right away to the very first day that I decided, you know what, I'm going to respond to people when I get to work today. And I mean, I don't, I, I go to work at about noon. Usually at that time in my career, I would go, I would be at work by noon and work all in the afternoon and evening. And the first day that I did that, I had two people call me on the phone and ask if I was ignoring them. 
because oh my people, goodness. yeah, people were so used to hearing immediately back from me and I am generally a quick responder because I am quite social, but you know, I mean, I was doing other things at home. I was cleaning my house and getting things ready so that it would be easy for my husband to make dinner and things like that. And so it's like, I just am not going to stop what I'm doing to find you an appointment right now. But people were not used to that. And so, and I mean, they were good hearted. Nobody was angry or anything, but still it was like, um, excuse me, it's been like three hours and I have not heard from you. (laughs) So yeah, those are just like contact methods. Um, you know, pricing, it can be very, uh, I could go on for days about pricing when you're a self-employed hairstylist, but just lots of different things like that. There are lots of aspects of the business that, especially when you're self-employed, you need really strong boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Being self-employed requires so many boundaries because you are your boss. You don't have that natural boundary of, well, there's a whole other person who's your boss. And so there's naturally some boundaries there just by the nature that you're two different people. But when you combine employee and boss in one person, it's like, oh man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, it it can be a real challenge. I mean, anything, you know, like I said, scheduling is a big one and that was a big challenge for me. You know, I was working until, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, four nights a week sometimes. And then still, you know, responding to messages in my off time and all that. So it was like, I was never off work. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. That would get draining very fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what turned things around for you? When did you realize this is not going to (laughs) work? So I... You know, it's funny because I don't know that there was a specific time to do with work necessarily, but I do remember the day that I was like my breaking point, like I had enough because it was my day off from work and I'm, you know, I'm sure I'd had several client interactions that day. It was a beautiful day outside. It was so beautiful. And I was sitting in the recliner in our living room and I was just crying because I was so tired and burnt out. And I just felt, you know, I had gotten to the point where any time that someone um, contacted me, even if it wasn't a client, even if it was just a friend or a family member, I just dreaded it because I felt like somebody always wanted something from me. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I looked outside at this beautiful day and I'm like, I have allowed this to take up so much of my life. And so much of my energy that I don't even have the energy to go out and enjoy this beautiful day. And I was mad. Mm, yeah, yeah. What a miserable day. Yeah. It was, it was wild. Okay. So you sort of hit this low point. <laughs> yes. And then what changed? What did you start doing differently? I know we talked a little bit about the boundaries, which are awesome, but I know you also really focus on self-care and I'm very interested to hear what sort of self-care you started implementing. So I tried all the things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did. It's really funny. My most popular post ever on the blog is 17 self-care ideas I tried to get out of a rut. And I mean, when I say that I, I tried so many, I mean, I you know, I went to therapy, I tried essential oils, I changed my diet, I did all these things. And they just kind of, they just kind of culminated all together and have evolved over time. Um, 
you know, as far as specifically for my job, I did, I got a little more, um, a little more assertive about, no, I'm off that day. I'm not going to come into work. No, I don't work that late at night or no, I don't do that kind of service because in cosmetology school, they do not teach you that you can tell clients. No, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, well, there's still a very old school way of thinking as far as, you know, you have to do everything you can to make every client happy. And you absolutely should provide great service. I'm not saying that you should not be of service and be kind to people and all that, but you also have to, you also have to recognize that you have needs too. And so I think all of those things together, um, the biggest thing for me and the thing that I've really noticed and started focusing on a lot lately is just having way better routines because, you know, I would, I would come home at night, eat dinner super late and just literally collapse into bed, full face of makeup, like sometimes in my clothes, you know, and I just was not (laughs) taking care of myself in a very literal way. You know, I was not doing these things. Or I remember like even all the way back to when I was in cosmetology school, I was working full-time and going to school And, you know, I'd run out the door in the morning with a cold pop tart and call it breakfast and think that was going to make me feel good for the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So what sort of, um, what sort of routines do you do now? So I have realized that the beauty of routine has nothing to do with what works for anyone else. (laughs) oh my gosh like right there just one more time say that again because I think people need to hear that I have realized the beauty of a routine has nothing to do with what works for anyone else oh preach (laughs) (laughs) you know I I tried I tried so hard I wanted to be and I only give this one such a hard time because it's so popular, but I tried to be part of the miracle morning routine situation, the Hal Elrod miracle morning, Mm -hmm. you know, you spend an hour doing 10 minutes of each of these different things. And you know what, when you have no structure in your life, there's no way you can jump into that and be successful. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disappointment And you're just going to feel guilty later on because you're like, why can't I stick to something when that thing, it was not designed for you. It wasn't designed for the phase of life you're in. It, it's not right for your situation. And so trying to force someone else's routine into what is your lifestyle and what is your stage of life? It's, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. So creating your own routines has been a big cornerstone of what I've talked about a lot lately. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have, I know you have sort of a method for this. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So it's, it's funny how it's all come together, but I have the spark method, which is my five-step method for, you know, beating burnout basically. Um, so it's spark is an acronym And the first step is to set yourself up for success. A lot of people want to jump in with all their actions and that's great. But, you know, if I jumped in thinking that I'm going to sit down to a hot breakfast every morning when my routine was to run out the door with a cold pop tart, 
that's not going to end up working out because I haven't done anything on the back end in order to ensure that I can actually do that. So, you know, there's lots of different things that can be done for that, but that's just one example. Um, then you go on to practice intention. It's about getting your mindset right, about thinking about your intentions of going into a particular kind of change or a particular routine or you know whatever you're trying to accomplish. You want to practice intention. You want to get a really strong why for those days that you don't feel as though you know you want to do it or you know, our business coach Faith always talks about the energy of commitment. You want to figure out what's going to get you in the energy of commitment. So then you go to analyze your needs and ask for help. So sometimes, you know, when you're creating, especially if it's like a big change, any kind of, you know, emotional work, things like that, you might need some help. You might need a therapist. You might need the help of your doctor. If you're doing something health related, you might even just need to talk to people in your household and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I am working on this. I could use your support. So it doesn't have to be like, nobody can make these changes for you, but having a good support network is going to be so important as you try to do them. So then the next step is to reset your routine. So we're four steps in and we're just now getting to action. And I'm not saying that these first steps have to take a lot of time, but if you do them with a little bit of intention, if you do them, you know, before you really start trying to dive in and change all the things. And I even say, I have a a workbook about this that we can talk about if you want, but I even say in there, don't try to change all the things at once. But when you do try to change the things, you're waiting until step four to even start changing things physically, you know, before you start trying to do all these morning routine things and things like that, which some people might think is a little counterproductive, but I really think that if you're, if you're trying to make a change, like if you're trying to run a marathon, you have to put your socks on first. You don't just go out the door and run a marathon. You put your socks on, you train, you do things to prepare. And again, not like it's necessarily going to take marathon prep to do whatever you're trying to do, but thinking of it that way, you know, for some people, a very small change or seemingly small, I should say, a seemingly small change, like implementing a morning routine or an exercise routine that can feel like a marathon. So if you're not giving yourself the proper preparation, you're going to, you're going to hurt yourself one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so then the final step is to kickstart your happiness. And so that's where you take things and you just make them fun. You make them sustainable because I think that we think that, if you are um, making some kind of change to make your life better, like it can only be done one way forever. And that's not really what I believe. I just chose not to believe that anymore. And so whether it is in your morning routine, maybe you turn on some really vibey music and do like a little dance as your movement, if you move in the morning or, you know, if you started say a workout regimen, maybe instead of going and running on the treadmill for 30 minutes, maybe what you need is to go see if there's like an obstacle course gym in your area and start like doing some kind of fun obstacle course training, you know, whatever thing that is to make it more fun and make it something that you want to do long-term. So those together, they make the spark method. I love all of that. So a couple of things, a couple of thoughts. I love what you were saying about how no one else can do this work for you, 
Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you don't deserve support. And right. I love that that gentle balance between, you know, needing other people. We're human, we're social creatures. We we just objectively need others. But at the same time, taking responsibility and recognizing that this is my job. This is, I'm the only one who can truly make a change here. Yeah. And I, I love that you talk about incorporating fun and flexibility. <laughs> I yes. just, oh, that's how my brain works. My brain is drawn to the dopamine. It's drawn to the fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. And when I try to set up a routine that isn't fun, Mm-hmm. sometimes that will be enough motivation at first. Like this is no nonsense. I am so on top of it. I am a business lady. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then eventually that wears off because it's not fun and there's nothing I enjoy about it, except for the fact that it makes me feel like a business lady. Uh, right. Well, and it doesn't even have to be anything huge, you know, like I save my mastermind coffee mug for days that I am going to be working on a business. I have a candle in my office. I only burn it when I'm working on my business. And so it can be little things. It can be small things that you look forward to that you're like, Ooh, like I get to use my favorite pen when I do this. Or, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big extravagant thing. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. There's some, uh, home office decor that I am asking for for my birthday to spruce up the office to uh make it like you said just those little rewards like oh I get to look at that cute little print now (laughs) I love that I love it so much (laughs) and I absolutely relate to what you were talking about how your routines can change my routine recently completely changed like totally upended I was getting up at 5.30, I had a whole morning routine and it worked super well for me for several months. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of stopped working. Like I was tired. I wasn't motivated. I wasn't being productive during my morning. And I was like, well, time to change. And so I switched to an evening routine and yeah, I didn't make any drama about that. You know, I just did what I needed to do. Yes. I think you, you had a TikTok that you were talking about that. And I loved that so much because I'm like, I wish that more people would accept that with such ease, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to not have a routine. It just means to, that it's okay. I think people get stuck in one particular way of doing things. And then that's when they start to burn out because they're trying to force something that's not working for them anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like the spark method does a really good job of setting people up to avoid that pitfall. Yeah. Yeah. And what's nice is that if you can kind of feel things not feeling right or not working out the way you want them to, you can revisit it as many times you can start over, you can back up a couple steps, you know, it's not stuck in stone. And I think that's what I love is I love, you know, the, the movement within it that you can do. Absolutely. Movement and flexibility are, I think, the antidote to burnout. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So how can people listening, if they are like, oh my goodness, yes, this is everything that I need. Like, what do they do next? 
So I, um, if you come find me on Instagram, I am getting ready to probably the first week of June, um, as of the time of this recording or whenever you're listening, first week of June, I am going to be re-releasing my Spark Method workbook. I have made a ton of updates to it. And so I'm really excited to re-release that. I also have the Spark Method coaching if you're wanting something a little more in depth, um, the Spark Method Coaching, it's a 12-week program. We have an introductory week where we kind of sit down, we assess what you're trying to do, what your goals are, and then we spend two weeks apiece on each of the changes. And just a quick caveat on that, it doesn't mean that you have to spend 12 weeks to implement the Spark Method. That's just, you know, for, for one-on-one coaching, I felt like that was an appropriate amount of time to really dig in deeper with things. Um, and then your final week is just kind of a wrap up week and we figure out, you know, what your continuing goals are and your path forward. So those are two ways that, um, and, and I have lots of information on there about it. I do have a YouTube video about it as well. That's just like a short introductory. Um, so any of those ways, if you're interested, you can DM me. I'm happy to talk more about it. So any of those things. Okay. So before we go, I also wanted to ask one last question. What do you think is the number one misconception about self-care? Oh man. I mean, I want to go with the obvious one that it's special. It's for a special occasion. It's for special people that it's for, you know, a special day of the year or anything like that. And I fully 100% do not believe that. I fully 100% believe that we need to have different kinds of self-care as parts of our daily routine. As we, you know, we charge our phones every day, unless you have a brand new phone and you can get by with not doing it, but (laughs) that brand new phone is only going to last so long. And so why would we not do the things that charge ourselves back up, you know, every single day? It doesn't have to be anything major, you know, that's, that's another misconception I'm giving you like an earful now, (laughs) but it doesn't have to be anything wild and crazy. Like I said, it can be small things like lighting that special candle. Whenever you, even if you do it while you take a shower, you know, you can up-level your shower or up-level making dinner. I have all kinds of stuff about all of that, but I think just thinking that self-care is something that's special or that it's for special people that it's not for you in your phase of life right now, whatever that may be. And it does not matter what phase of life you're in. You still deserve your self-care and you still deserve to feel cared for. Oh, I think that's really, really special. And I hope everyone listening is really taking that to heart. Um, and that's actually what we're going to focus on for our guided meditation. So we end every episode here at healing unscripted with a guided meditation. So we are going to go ahead and hop on into that. But first I just wanted to say thank you so much, Kelsey, for being here on the podcast and thank you everybody out there listening. It seriously means so much to me to just know that you're out there. And uh, if you were interested in anything we mentioned in this episode, make sure you check out the show notes. There will be links to all the things. (laughs) And uh, letting me, Megan. Oh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I just wanted to thank you for having me for letting me be here with your with your audience. I think. Oh my goodness! Of course, I'm so (laughs) excited. Self care is huge and so unbelievably important. And I wanted an expert to come on and talk to my people about it. And I'm just thrilled that we could get you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay. So let's go ahead and dive on into the guided meditation. If you want to just close your eyes and take a nice deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. I am worthy of care. I am worthy of being taken care of, even if I'm the one doing the caring and receiving the care at the same time. It's possible for me to live this life in a way that feels like I am not just surviving. It's possible for me to live this life in a way that feels fulfilling and whole and self-care is really the key to all of that. I do not have an endless well of energy to pull from. Eventually the resources run dry and I have to recharge. I have to refill. I have to pour into my own cup. It's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason because it is deeply true. Self-care is not selfish. And I know we are all so used to hearing that, but I want you to take a minute to feel it. I want you to place your hand on your heart and I want you to feel the reality that self-care is not selfish. Self-care is essential. Self-care is required for this human existence. Self-care is beautiful because it's a sign that you love yourself enough to take care of yourself. And you deserve that. Even if you're really struggling with self-love right now, if you're struggling with your self-esteem, if you're struggling with shame, I understand. And you are still worthy of care. Even if you're struggling, even if you've messed up recently, even if you've messed up a lot, you still deserve care. Peace be with you.